And I, I had to really stop. And I don't want to like ever shame somebody, but I was just like so taken aback that somebody would feel comfortable saying that out loud in front of like 30 other people. We have to find community and know that there's other people doing, feeling the same way. And that's how movements get started is when you realize, oh, this isn't just me. Hey everybody, welcome back to Where's God? I'm Michael. Hey, I'm Johnny. And we're tackling the problem of sin and evil and how God shows up in the middle of it all. Johnny, I'm kind of sad. You know why? Yes, I do. But you're going to tell me why. This is the last episode in our three-part saga with Heather Thompson Day. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of depressing. But it's also really exciting because in this episode, you know, listening back to the, to the first two parts of the interview, Michael and I realized that uh, we, were, we were pretty starstruck. Uh, yes. Talking with with Dr. Day, Dr. Heather Thompson Day, published author. You know she's 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 pretty awesome. So we were kind of um, you know a little nervous. But going into this episode, I think we chill out a bit. We're able to talk a little more cordially. And Michael, I think there's a lot of good nuggets in this episode. Yes, this is my favorite part of our conversation. Um, it's all about where's God in this generation. And this was the most filling part of the conversation for me. So you guys are going to want to listen to it all the way through. I promise you there's some amazing gems in the middle of it all. And uh, we just hope and pray that you've been blessed by these conversations with Dr. Heather Thompson Bay. Yeah, this is a great episode, guys. Hope you really, really enjoyed as much as we did. When you look around you, what breaks your heart? What, what do you, what keeps you up at night? So many things, right? I mean, yeah. everybody's struggling with depression right now. We had horrible depression rates before COVID and now it's just so much worse. Um, you know, healthcare breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that I know that, um, like for example, there's a, people that were visiting my husband's church and they ended up coming over for lunch afterwards. And then on their way home, they got in a car accident, but they didn't have insurance. And so she's sick and she's throwing up and she thinks she has a concussion and she doesn't want to go to the doctor, right? Because she knows that she's mm -hmm. going to have this horrible bill. And so mm -hmm. at this particular instance, the, my husband's church, like they were able to pay for her to go to the doctor. Obviously we can't do that for everybody, but it breaks my heart that we're living in a system where, um, you know, Americans in our own country don't have access to healthcare. I think that's a problem. Um, obviously racial stuff breaks my heart. I think apathy, Apathy probably is one of the top. It's hard for me to understand how we just, it's hard for me to understand how we don't care. I tweeted this yesterday morning. I was speaking to one of my classes about how Christians should be alleviating suffering. Like the goal should be to bring God's kingdom here. That's what it's supposed to be looking like is we are living out the Lord's prayer and we are thy kingdom come and we are going to do our best to live that out here. And so I talked about alleviating poverty and one of my students was like, yeah, but God said the poor will be with you always. So, and I, I had to really stop and I don't want to like ever shame somebody, but I was just like, so taken aback that somebody would feel comfortable saying that out loud in front of like 30 other people. And I, there, I just think there's a problem in our churches when that's, you guys know, there are so many commands in scripture to take care of the poor. Literally in the very next, in the chapter before the verse that he's talking about, which by the way, he's, by the way, when Jesus says that he's talking to Judas of all people, before the chapter before that, 
God gives the parable where he says, you know, when I was thirsting, you did not give me a drink. And when I was hungry and you did not give me food. And when I was in prison, you did not visit me as you have done unto the least of these, those as you have done to me, that's the very chapter before, but that's not what we're quoting. Mm -hmm. Like we are, we're actually justifying. Well, if you know, if they should just be taking care of themselves, like, I don't know where we got this. The idea in scripture was that nobody was supposed to be in deep, deep poverty. And that's how the other nations would say, what kind of a God do they serve that everybody in that community is taken care of? And so where do we as Christians have this idea now that, oh, that's on you. I don't have to worry about what's happening to you. It just, it makes me honestly, physically ill. That is hard mm. for me to understand. Um, but right. I have to always, I'm, I play the, play the devil's advocate a lot in my mind. And I'm like, well, that's what he's been taught in his home. And this is what he's having modeled for him. So this does not mean that this person is a bad person. It means that he has probably had bad examples. And so how do I challenge this idea? And this is something that I will say to progressive Christians, right? We are so, we are like the, the generation of mercy and grace, except for conservatives. Mm. And so then are we any better, right? Like if I, if I, and really, if it's easy for me to be able to say to the person who's just come off drugs or is a sex addict or it was in um, prostitution, it's, if it's so easy for me to have grace for them and say, hey, you are not what you have done. Mm -hmm. Why in the world am I not also trying to live out that same grace for somebody that was probably had things modeled for them in a bad way? Like nobody wakes up and says, I want to be a jerk. I can't wait to be a horrible person. I don't think anybody wakes up and thinks that. So most of us don't believe that we are, but we have these yeah. bad systems that nobody has challenged. And so how do we find ways and empathy to challenge bad systems without destroying who you are as a person? And that has been the tightrope that I think we all need to be trying to walk a little finer. Oh man, that hits home. That's, that's, that's hard to hear because I, I feel that too. Um, the, the people I have the most hard time with are the ones that get mad at people when they come into church wearing jeans. Me too. So that's that kind of group. And like playing the devil's advocate on their behalf, I think is such a valuable practice because if, if I can easily justify my grace towards, like you said, the people that I think deserve it, then it's not really grace, is it? <laughs> Isn't that funny how it works? Now, I will say, I will say, Johnny, I'm very passionate about this. I think as a church, we have historically protected the wrong people. Ooh. So always protect the vulnerable. Whoever is yelling about the genes, my philosophy is they, if I call them out on that, they're probably just going to find a different church. They're not going to leave church in general. Whereas the person who has just stumbled in, if I don't protect yeah. them, they'll never come back. So protect the vulnerable people who are just looking for somebody. And I think often in church, we protect the loud person or the person with the money. And, and it creates a lot of problems because then the, you know, you only get one chance with somebody who's just trying to try something mm. new and we have to protect that person. Wow. Mm. In a yeah, graceful I, I, way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, I had a different, uh, uh, question I wanted to ask you, like uh, relating to apathy, but I kind of want to dwell on on this a little bit because this is something uh, kind of personal for me. Okay. Um, without, I, I I don't know who's gonna listen to this podcast at the church I'm at, so I want to be careful how I say this. Um, so I, I'm at a church that's traditionally very well traditional, and um, a lot of the young adults there are progressive. 
So there's a constant clashing yes. uh, between the, the leadership that has been there for 30 plus years, uh, as opposed to the people that are obviously grew up in the system and are critiquing it. So, so there's this, there's this issue of the ones that have been mentored, the ones that the leaders have been pouring into are slowly, uh, we're seeing attrition because they see what it could be. They know the people that are there and they see how they haven't changed in their entire lifespan of this church. So I, I guess I'm not as much asking a question as I'm just telling you my experience there as well, as it, it's, it's hard to balance between sides. And I feel a pressure of, I need to respect the leaders. At the same time, I disagree with them. And I really want to side with the young adults and with the youth that are calling these injustices out. But then I hear things like this, and and uh, I, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It pisses me off when I hear people say, oh, but it's the older generation that's paying the tithe. It's the older generation that's keeping the upkeep for the church. And it just makes my blood boil. And I just I just wanna I just wanna slap some people. So so I hear that and it it deeply frustrates me. And it I feel like those phrases limit my empathy. And that's a scary place to be. So I'm trying to to balance this thing that you're saying, but it, it's so much easier to to look at the ideology, buy into it, but then applying it, oh my goodness, that is extremely difficult. Jesus said to seek and save that which was lost. Young, this Our church, and this isn't just Adventism, North America is hemorrhaging young adults. It is, for Adventists, it's less than 4% are under the age of 25, less than 4%. And so I just feel like you, it, I'm just a pastor's wife, right? So I get to say whatever I want and then walk away. My <laughs> husband has to deal with all the hate now that comes in. But when I talk to him, I'm like, babe, I'm sorry. You need to look them in the eyes and say, I love you. And we want to walk with you through this journey, but this is where we're going. And mm -hmm. if you don't like it, the reality is there are literally 10 other churches within 20 miles that you can go to. That's yeah. just the reality. There is no church in our area for young adults, not one. And so how can we keep going on the way things have always been done and then saying, well, I don't know why the church isn't growing. Yeah. Well, we do know why. It's just that it's really difficult to actually, and I know it's difficult just because I see the conversations he has and the fear of, yeah, these people pay the tithe. What do we do? But here's what I am saying again about this generation. They are super fiscally conscious with their money. We know, I, I did... I started a service on my secular campus uh, like three years ago, and I never once asked for offering or tithe. I was just putting it, I was just putting something on for them, but I was also bringing breakfast in every morning. So they saw that I was spending all this money. There's about 50 kids that would show up and they saw that I was spending all this money for breakfast. Kids started giving me money, 18, 19, 20 year old kids. And I mean, hundreds of dollars mm -hmm. because they said, we see what you're doing and I want to help. This generation, yeah. we can, we won't shop at a store because we feel like that store doesn't go with our politics. We are super conscious with our money. And so this is what I say. If young people aren't giving to our churches, it's because they don't believe in that because we do give in what we believe in. So if we give them a space where they can take ownership and believe, they'll support you financially with their little pennies and shekels because we're all paying student loans back, right? But we will, and God will bless that. Yeah. 
I've had many conversations with in our church staff and our church board. People make comments like, well, it's the older generation that gives. This younger generation isn't giving. Like, you're right. Half of that statement is correct. This generation isn't giving to us right now, but they're giving and supporting. And if we are doing something that they want to support, that they want to give their money towards, it's going to come in. And we have to, we can't just cater to one particular generation because they have the, the money in the bank. Well, this other generation has the money in the bank too, but it's not aligned with the vision of what they're seeking. And so maybe we need to go back to the drawing board and ask ourselves the question, are we missionally aligned? Are, are, is our vision uh, appropriate for our demographic and our community? And are we just taking care of a group of people or are we trying to, as you say, seek and to save the lost? Right. And I just think we need more community amongst ourselves. Cause I can tell you mm-hmm. if my husband was on this call, like this would be so life-giving to him because so, he feels often so alone. So mm-hmm. once we, I say this all the time, like Justin Koo, if you know him um, mm-hmm. and Caleb Isley, I'm like, guys, we need a young adult masterclass with missionally minded people where we can just get together and re-energize ourselves and ask God to strengthen our hands. Because it is really, really hard when you feel like you're the only person who thinks this way and the entire system is stacked up against you. But I just, I really believe that God has a call on this generation. And I believe that we can do something that's going to make a national impact. And I believe it's possible even as our church, but we have to, you know, I think the devil keeps us divided and we have to find community and know that there's other people doing, feeling the same way. And that's how movements get started is when you realize, oh, this isn't just me that's having these conversations. Mm. Yeah. Your podcast is important. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Um, you know, something I'm hearing you say, uh, whether explicitly or implicitly based on your other answers, is that it doesn't matter whether or not the system as the church is redeemable or not. What I'm hearing you say is focus on the local people and look at this more as a movement rather than an institution. And if we do that, then I feel like the change that is needed will happen. Maybe not the change we think we uh, you know, deserve or that uh, we see the people above us, oh, I wish they supported me in this way, but God will bless the small things. And I look at it using your example as well, bringing the shekels and the tiny little pennies that we have, even if that's not financial, but our time, our influence, our people, the platforms that God has given us, I feel like it will be multiplied into something beautiful. So I, I'm joining you in seeing that trajectory, mm-hmm. but it's so easy mm-hmm. to get lost in the sauce, yeah. to see the insurmountable barriers, to see the vitriol and hatred. Like we were talking about, you pick who you're for because of who you hate. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's a small step. It's talking on a podcast. It's, you know, praying for somebody that you disagreed with. And I, I really, you know, you're talking about your husband being filled. This is filling for, for me too. And I think Michael yeah, would agree. And 100%. Um, it, it's so nice to see that all is not lost. And it's, it's, that comes from a real, a real place of, of struggling with is what I'm doing changing anything why do this why get up each day if everything is the same and i I think these conversations are so valuable and life breathing Mm -hmm. i have a book that's coming out in spring and it's called it's not your turn and the entire premise of that book is that i realized in my life that who i was when it wasn't my turn was more important than who i would be when it is Mm 
And we spend all of life waiting. Oh, I'm going to start my life when I get there, when I have a hundred thousand subscribers, when I have finances coming in, when I have X, Y, and Z in a platform, that's when God is using me. And it's like, the reality is you don't get there unless you start here. And how are we faithful with these small tasks that people who show up when nobody's clapping for you and nobody cares whether or not you press that button, turn on to record. To me, that is the integrity that God is trying to build in a generation of people. And we have to submit ourselves to that process. That is like, is God more pleased when you press the on button and there's a hundred thousand people listening? Or is he more pleased when you press the on button wondering, is anyone going to listen to this? What is more pleasing to God? It is the integrity of somebody who says, I'm going to do this because I believe it. And I think we all have to, what happens I think with social media is we get really lost, at least for myself. I got really lost in the numbers of what everybody else seemed to be doing, making a bigger impact than me that I just feel like, oh, forget it. It doesn't matter. But actually this is what matters the most. Like this is the holy ground is showing up when nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. And that really says about um, your character, not you specifically, Heather, but like the general you in terms of how you handle your social media, your influence, whatever you're doing, uh, because if I'm in it only to get subscribers, if I'm only waiting around until I have that influence, then I'm really in it to, to be on a platform. I'm not there to to be uh, relationally focused, because I think if we start in the small space and through these conversations, you know, our podcast gets like 30 listens a month, like nothing, right. but we're being faithful and showing up yes. with what we're doing. And we've had people write into us and search for where's God just out of the blue. They come across our podcast. They listen to an episode. We had somebody write in and say, this blessed my life and let me know that there's other people out there that have hope. And I, I'm not just in this place of despair. Uh, and so I think that's so important to keep in the forefront of our minds um, of showing up when the the other crowds don't show up when the but but for one person, it's important that we do show up because we can make an impact in that one person's life. And God is doing a work in us right here. That mm-hmm. is the foundation for there. But we never get there if we don't go through the work here. And and I think mm-hmm. we just always look in the wrong spaces and we have to be really intentional about each day, which is exhausting. Like it's exhausting to live life the way I've been living it for the last, I've been since 2018, I think that I've really tried to intentionally say, you know what, this class that I'm going to step into right now is the most important thing I'm ever going to do. And I'm going to treat this class as if my husband right now is doing a week of prayer at mile high. And he was like, Monday morning, he's like, oh my goodness, I have to do this week of prayer. I have to do 25 minutes for kindergarten through fifth grade. He was like, that's not, and I said, babe, you better go out there. Like, this is the only thing God has ever called you to do in your life, because that is who, that's the character transformation that God needs in order to trust you with X, Y, and Z. And it's so funny yesterday. So he did day one. And now yesterday he said, when he stepped out, he created this character called Scooter. And he like tells Bible stories as a little kid, but like as the kid in the story. So when he stepped out yesterday, the entire school started chanting, Scooter, Scooter, Scooter. (laughs) And that never would have happened had he not said, no, I'm going to be faithful to this and do it as if it is the most important thing I'm ever going to do. And yesterday my kids got in the car and he was like, so guys, was it good to my kids? And they were like, dad, every people are asking me, is your dad scooter? And he was just loving it. So he's like a little celebrity <laughs> character, now, this little character he created. And it's all by being faithful. 
You know, this matters. Yeah. It matters yeah. right here. And we have, that's why I'm saying community is important where we can look at each other and remind each other of that. This space mm -hmm. matters. This is holy ground. This is where God is saying, man, I am so proud of you, Michael. Man, Johnny, like you are, you are exactly doing what I've called you to do. Mm -hmm. That has, that has beautiful ramifications. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I know our time is short. I'd love to continue this conversation. Um, but I just want to ask you some, some final questions before our time ends together. Um, so specifically, this is kind of a shameless self plug, but, uh, infinite hope, the series is coming up and you, you are the keynote speaker for that event. Um, do you have any, any thoughts on that topic? Anything you're looking forward to? Um, anything you're hesitant about or anything you'd like to say about that? So one of the messages that I've written for that is where the angel of the Lord shows up to Gideon and he says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, if God is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Mm. And I, I resonate with that so much because it is so easy to look at our lives and say, if God is with me, then why don't I have any money? <laughs> if God is with me, then why are these people being so mean, mean to me? If God is with me, why is life so hard? But God is with you. And I'm in a season right now, and I think the entire nation probably is in a season at this moment where it's like, sometimes God takes you around, but more often than not, he takes you through. And we have to open our eyes and see the hand of God. Jose Rojas says to me all the time, Heather, don't tell me what you feel. If all the devil has to do is hurt your feelings to get you to quit, you'll never make it. Mercy. You don't deserve to make it. Wow. He always says, don't tell me what you feel. Tell me what you see. And then I have to stop and I say, okay, what do I see? Hmm. I see an 18 year old girl that's showing up at church that hasn't been in six months. Right. I see the message that I get from somebody that says, I'm going to go, I'm going to church because of your Twitter. Like what? So what do I see the hand of God? Do I feel depressed? Do I feel lonely? Do I feel poor? Yes. Right. But I also see the hand of God and God has to, the presence of God has to be the promise of God in my life. I can't be waiting for God to do something in order for this relationship to be worth it to me. I have to make a decision that God himself and the relationship that we are in is enough. My husband is not rich. Am I with him because he's giving me money? No. Okay. Absolutely not. I am with him because of the relationship. And I have to say that to myself about God all the time. Heather, I'm not with God because of what he can give me. I'm with him because no matter what, he is going to be with me in this relationship. And I also get to see him answer prayers sometimes, right? That are awesome requests. But more than that, it's the relationship that we've built. It's the still small whisper that I hear in my voice. It's the comforting of the Holy Spirit. It's seeing him use me in a way that only God with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. That is what's worth it. And so how do we, some of that I think is going to be like our generation connecting to scripture. But I just think us as a culture, like we need to let God be enough and stop waiting for life to start once we're at the mountaintop and deciding that, you know what, God is with me in this climb. Mm. Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. I'm really excited to see, uh, to watch your, um, your, I don't want to call them sermons. Your, what would you, what would you call them? My uh, talks, speeches, my messages, your talks. I'm a teacher. <laughs> I'm a teacher far more than I'm a preacher. So your like, lectures. Yeah, my lecture. <laughs> but we're going to record our first one on Friday. So I'm super excited. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So, 
Yeah, I'm so excited for that because um, I, you know, I watched the sample that you sent me uh, just to show the the quality, and that that touched me deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it's this this is going on a tangent, and I'll bring it right back, um, which I like to do, as you can <laughs> tell. But uh, you know, as as a pastor, you know, I, I spend I spend almost all of my week looking for ways to fill other people. Mm-hmm. And I look for ways to create value for others that I often neglect filling myself. Mm-hmm. So I just want to let you know that you are reaching more than the people that you think you may be reaching, but you're reaching those who who are in their own form of a desert in terms of not finding water anywhere. So right. thank you from personally from me to you. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to to give hey, you. Can an I opportunity say something, Johnny? As, yeah, for One sure. One of my favorite verses is in Isaiah where it says, "God grows trees in the desert." And I've had to repeat Mm. that verse over my life so many times. Like, this is holy ground. What does Jacob? Jacob wrestles with God in the middle of the desert and says, I have seen God face to face. Like, we get to see him face to face right here. And I think that that's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I think of the manna in the desert as well, since you brought up that. Like, God is an expert at feeding us in those dry places. Yes. And he has to, yeah. because we have to come into a space where we are 100% reliant on God. If God told you right now, oh, five years from now, you guys are going to have this huge podcast, blah, 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 and all these endorsers. Where's the reliance on him in the process? Mm-hmm. We have to, God needs us to have a daily relationship with him where I'm not sure what's coming, but I have to be faithful. That is part of the character development that each of us need. So mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he just never gives it. Even when he shows up to the disciples, he says, they say to him, teacher, where are you going? And he says, come and see. He's always been this person. It's not new for you. Like he's not just treating you this way. This is how God operates. Come and see. I will show you a little bit along the way. I will give you one piece at the time. So here's your piece. What are you going to do with it? I love that. I love that. As we finish up, I think one one last thing we want to ask you um, is there. I know you mentioned your forthcoming book that's going to be hitting the presses soon. Um, what ways can people connect with you, or what do you uh, want to take the opportunity to promote um, in terms of what you have going on um, in uh, in your sphere of influence? Yeah, so my book is coming out in April or May. It's not your turn. What to do while waiting for your breakthrough? Super excited about that book. Um, you can always reach out to me on Twitter, Heather T. Day, or Instagram. My messages aren't open on Twitter. So if you have to message me, you can message me on Instagram at Heather Thompson Day. Okay, right on. We'll link those down in the, the show notes so um, people can get them visually as well. But we just want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, we can't wait to put these episodes together and um, release them into the wild to see how God <laughs> grows them in the in the desert. Uh, but I know this conversation has blessed my heart. I know it's blessed Johnny's heart too. And for sure. I'm just so thankful um, for you taking the time um, to talk with us today. Thank you for having me. So that was our interview with Dr. Heather Thompson Day. I hope it was impactful to you because it was very, very impactful to us. And we're just so excited and we feel really honored that she would uh, come and talk. 
and uh, she's an expert. And I think you saw some of the things, or you heard, I guess, you know, this is a podcast, some of the things that she's promoting and we'll have- Wait, we're in, doing a podcast? In the, oh yeah, we are. Michael, I forgot you were here. Yeah, I was just, <laughs> I was just going on. But yeah, if you want to see some of the other things Dr. Day has done, um, Really, you know, I really encourage you to check that out, uh, especially following her Twitter. But yeah, Michael, uh, you always have wise outro words. So I want to <laughs> see uh, what you have to say right now. You want to hear what I have to say right now, Johnny. Remember, we're doing a podcast. Did I say see again? Yeah, you did. <laughs> Come on. Hey, so I just want to speak real quick to to this generation. Um, we, we, we talked about you. We're a part of that, too. Um, whatever you're going through right now, whatever... Uh, creative ideas you have, whatever ministry you're involved in, involved with, don't give up. There are people that need what you're doing, that see you, that value you, and you bring so much to this world because you're being a helper in the midst of all the people that are trying to detract from that. So just a word of encouragement to you, dear listener, um, in this time. Wait, 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 let me, let me jump on that. Um, cause, cause you're right. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, the youth, the young adults are the leaders of tomorrow. And I just say, get that nonsense out of here because, yeah. you know, you look at any strong movement right now and it's yeah. it's led by people that are younger than myself, younger than Michael. And, you know, I, I just have to say and encourage that don't be frustrated with the way things are and think they're unchangeable. Things are much more malleable than you may expect. So, yeah, I just want to join Michael in, in that encouragement. Yeah. And I want to say that I am very much younger than Johnny. I, <laughs> that I is not, well, John you are younger, but one. you're not that much younger. You don't need to make me I, sound old. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny, where are we headed for 2021? It's hard to believe that we're Look, saying goodbye almost to 2020. I'm excited for 2020 to be over. I'll be very quick to say that. But but yeah, we don't want to make this, this outro into a whole nother episode. So we just very quickly want to promote the next season. So we decided we're going to do seasons, you know, like, uh, like any good TV sh series, even though this is a podcast, not a TV series, we're going <laughs> to, this is going to be the end of this season. And starting in season two, we're going to be much more regular with our episode releases. Um, I'm not going to promise anything yet. Cause I don't want to, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be very consistent and some cool things that we're looking forward to in, um, our season two is our wise wives episode you may remember they're gonna be back you may remember they are much more wise than michael no i'm just gonna leave it there they're much more wise than michael <laughs> <laughs> no yeah but wiser than both of us and they're gonna come and uh teach us uh something that they are passionate about and really excited about that uh michael there's some other things that are coming up next season too uh anything you want to promote about that yeah, so we're going to spend a whole episode looking at where's God in the world. We're calling that one There's God. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be seeing some current things that are happening, where's God showing, where God is showing up in that, and also looking historically in some of the tragic events that have happened in our world, some in our lifetime and some in past lifetimes, and say, ah, there's God right there. Yeah, that's really good. I'm excited about that one. Um, yeah, we can talk more about that later. I don't want to get get too much uh, into spoilers on that episode. But something, uh, the last thing we really want to talk about for next season is we want to have a Q&A episode. So we want to hear your questions. You yeah. know, it's very easy, especially this year to, to or whenever you're listening to this, uh, to look around and just genuinely ask, where is God in X, Y, or Z? 
So we want to know where you're asking where God is. And you can <laughs> you can do that uh, via our you know, social channels, Instagram, uh, Twitter, just DM us. And we will yeah. feature your questions in the episode and hopefully uh, shed some light and not confusion on the question of where is God. Yep. So all our contact information is in the show notes. I'm not going to the belabor telling you about where's God pod and all those other kind of things. So find our contact information in the show notes. Uh, we always would welcome your voice messages as well. If you would like to send us a voice message and have your voice featured on our podcast, we're still waiting for someone, anyone to do that. <laughs> that sounds so sad. <laughs> no, it kind of is sad, but we're relying on you with your listeners out there to, uh, to uh, help us in that regard. So with that being said, Johnny, we have just completed season one Yay. of Where's God? Hey, in in post, you need to add a little celebration thing right here. Like, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So this is exciting. Uh, thank you guys for joining us on this journey, and we hope you'll join us for season two. We'll see you in the new year. I was about to push end call. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did that one time. I did. <laughs>